At Federal, we have products for every season and every pursuit. Our passionate and dedicated teams design, build, and deliver the world's best American-made ammunition, whether you're hunting, target shooting, or defending yourself and family. Our pride and hard work can be found in every box, ammo can, or bottle of ammunition. For us, it's always in season. It's federal season. Welcome to Federal Ammunition's podcast, It's Federal Season. I'm Julie Golub, your guest host for this episode, and I am so excited to be joined by Olympic gold medalist Amber English and Federal's newest ambassador. Welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go through a little quick bio because uh, there may be a few people who may not know about your amazing success uh, recently, but... You reached the pinnacle of your shooting career with a record-setting performance, shooting a 56 in the women's skeet finals and became only the second woman in U.S. history to medal in the discipline. This all went down in Tokyo at the Olympics, and we're going to get into all of that. But this is such a huge success story. I would love to know about your roots. I understand you come from a family of shooters and hunters. Can you kind of start at the beginning and maybe tell us a little bit about your journey there? Oh man, starting from the beginning might take a little while. <laughs> like, I'm, not as, I'm not as young as I was. But, uh, you know, I uh, I grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, being out outside and outdoors in the Rocky Mountains was a normal family thing for us. Um, like you touched on, I, I do come from a family of competitive shooters. My mom and dad shot competitively and my aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, I actually grew up doing gymnastics and kind of in high school, right before college, I had to kind of make that decision if I was going to keep keep on and do gymnastics collegially or just uh, do something different. So my back told me that I needed to stop doing gymnastics. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, yeah, in high school. And so I was like, you know, I want to, I want to compete in something. Um, I would like to try shooting. So uh, I, I started, I got kind of a later start um, compared to most of my my friends and peers and shooting. But ever since then, it was just on the upward slope from there. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of your parents, um, I was fascinated to find out that they are running target shooters. Yeah, my dad was a running target shooter, my uncle, uh, my mom and aunts, they all shot a rifle. So. Okay. So here you are uh, coming from this intense precision long gun background and you decide to jump into shotgun shooting. Are you yeah. like the, the, the black sheep of the family? Yeah, I think <laughs> I was. But, you know, uh, my dad had traveled with the shotgun shooters a lot and stuff. So he's like, no, you're not going to you're not going to compete. And here I am. There still you are. doing it. So, um, you know, it was fun. It was just shotgun was more of my personality instead of precision, you know. You're outside in the elements, and um, it's really fast-paced, and that's just kind of what enticed me to the sport in general. Yeah, so you mentioned the, you know, being a competitor from your, you know, gymnast background to mm -hmm. getting started in shooting. Was there a catalyst moment, like a specific time or a specific event that you knew, yeah, I want to be the best at something, or I want to compete in shooting, or whatever? What Can you describe that? I was just a competitive person to begin with. And, and, you know, 
doing gymnastics gave me a lot of discipline and hard work and just the ability to self-reflect and and really just be in tune with yourself so I uh I was already very very interested in in being you know at an elite level when I started but you know everything takes time they say it takes at least 10 years to build an Olympic athlete and athlete and that is very true so well yeah but you did it really fast <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> so It felt like a very long time. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear more about like your firsts. I would love to know about your first shotgun competition, maybe your first time that you won something major or uh, overseas, something that, you know, you can kind of get that feeling out and let us know what you were going through and, and, uh, and that decision to keep on pushing. So usually in our sport, you start as a junior, and that is anyone that's 21 and younger. Um, so the first there would just be making your first junior team and wearing a junior vest. And then the next first would be, you know, making a development team. I, I really remember making my first open national team because you're, you're still very young, but you made it on like kind of the adult category. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that's definitely memorable for me. And then just going overseas for the first time and just having like stimulus overload with what <laughs> is going on. I don't, you know, in your first competition, you usually shoot very bad. <laughs> you figure it all out and you come home upset and have a long, a long plane ride home. And, and then you just build from there. So yeah. I was very fortunate to have my first Olympics as my best. Yeah. There, but <laughs> But um, yeah, it's just you build and build and build, and every every competition you go to, you just add tools to your toolbox. Yeah, where was the first uh, trip you made overseas? Oh, I was just trying to think of all of that. I think the <laughs> first, I think the first competition I went to was in um, Seoul, Germany. Okay, and I shot very bad. <laughs> I remember being so upset. And it was just everyone who was there and older and all experienced the same thing. So it's, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, experience to, to draw from people who have done this for a long time and just learn from them. Yeah. And it's fun now to give back to the other juniors and you see what they're going through and that you, you've been through it yourself. Definitely. Well, you just mentioned it, obviously the biggest first here, first time Olympian, first time gold medal. Um, <laughs> I want to know. If you can, as much, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe it's a blur or maybe you remember every single moment, but can you walk us through the event and give us some insight on the experience from arriving to practicing and competing, all that? So, you know, just like everybody else, it was such a challenge leading up for this competition. Everything was so unknown. Um, it was really yeah. a roller coaster ride that I, I probably wouldn't want to experience again, just like everybody else. The lead up was. It was stressful. And, you know, I felt like we had a bunch of competitions that were scheduled and then they would get canceled last minute or, you know, just kind of what the rest of the world was dealing with. Um, so the hardest part for me was just trying to be as positive as possible and then go with the flow. You know, everybody says that, but then when you have to actually do it, it's it's challenging. So when we uh, when we finally got on the plane, I was talking to Vincent Hancock and we were like, wow this is real. Like we are actually going to Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were unsure if we were actually going to be there. And then, you know, at some point you're like, you don't want to get too excited because 
if it gets pulled, then it is what it is. But uh, when we were on the plane over there, we were like, wow, this is really happening. Like, I, I am super glad I continued to push myself and prepare myself um, for this moment. And when we got there, we had uh, to download a bunch of tracking apps and QR codes <laughs> yeah, yeah. and everything on our phone. And we just kind of went went through the motions and made it to the Olympic Village. Um, I got there at like three o'clock in the morning. And I remember I couldn't even use the toilet or the shower or anything because it was all on a remote thing in Japanese <laughs> in the middle of the night. So I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah, wow. Lots of um, adjustments. And yeah, we take a bus ride. Our bus, our bus ride to the range is probably about an hour. Um, and then, yeah, we would go to practice and come back to the village and just try to stay as occupied as possible. And, and then uh, we weren't there very long. I think we were at the village maybe six days before our event. Okay. Um, and we started competing. So it was How a, much we had a... a Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say we had official official practice and then two days of competition. Is that uh, a normal, you know, usually six to seven days prior to an international event so you can get climatized? Um, I would say normally for a World Cup, it's actually a little less. Okay. Uh, but for the Olympics, for the Olympics, that was a very, very short amount of time to be in country and training. And they usually had training camps before in other countries so you could get, you know, used to the time change, but for the Olympics, that was a very short amount of time. So short amount of time, the fact that you're having to deal with the constant monitoring and the challenges that were in place because of the pandemic, I mean, that had to be a huge mental strain in addition to, you know, wanting to get ready to perform your best. Yeah. You know, you really just had to look, look within and dig deep and just say like, these are the things I can control and these are the things I cannot. So I'm not going to get spun up on all of this that I can't control. And you just know that things are going to come up and happen and you just have to just go with the flow. All right. So it you're was, there. it was very stressful. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So you, you show up, you, you, you do all the things, you learn how to work the toilet and the shower, hopefully, eventually. I did, I did after the first night, yes. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. So it's, it's go time. It's, it's about to happen. Can you kind of tell people what the steps are that, you know, that you go through when, you, when you're starting your Olympic match? You know, I just had to really genuinely believe and tell myself that I am more prepared for this match than I've ever been for any other competition. And it can go one of two ways. I can either talk myself into a hole and not shoot well, or I can believe myself, believe in myself and resort to my training and have a really solid chance. So it was up to me on what path I wanted to take. And it it just takes a lot of discipline and self-control an awareness to realize what, what hole you're going to go down and how to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in this, you're, you're obviously competing and you make your, your first shots, you break your first clays. Um, at what point did you not, were you not perfect? <laughs> Cause it wasn't very often. I was completely perfect, but <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't perfect from the get-go. I think really? my first round, uh, I shot a 23 out of 25. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I had trained so hard, and I said, if my B game shows up, it will be enough to survive. 
Um, and I, my A game did not show up that day, but I had trained so hard that I was like able to just stick on and, and survive the first day and know that everybody else had to sleep on it too. And then the next day my A game showed up. So it was a lot better. Yeah. So stressful, but, um, you know, I just knew that I, I had trained very, very hard for this and I'm ready and I can do this. Yeah. So what did it feel like the moment you, you, you know, it was done? I mean, did you know I felt, where, I mean, what yeah, was it like? You, in the final, so once you, I, so the first night I was in seventh place, I believe. And I knew that I had to crawl, crawl my way into the final. Yep. So I only had to make top six. Once you make top six, then everything goes back to zero. Okay. So um, I was really proud of myself that last round I shot a 25, and I knew I kind of had to do that to be able to put myself in the final. Yeah. So to be able to just dig deep and force myself to do it, that gave me a lot of confidence going into the final um, that I I can make myself do this and I'll do it. Um, And then when you made the final, they just start eliminating people – after a series of a short amount of targets. So oh, once it's brutal. Once they, yeah, it, <laughs> was, it was very brutal. So once, you know, I felt like I could breathe a little bit after three people had been eliminated and I knew I at least had a medal. And I remember looking at Jay Waldron and he was just like, I could barely look at him because I could just see how excited and nervous <laughs> he was. And I yeah. was like, I just can't even look at people right now. So yeah. I gave him a big pound and uh, we said like, yeah, no, let's go get the, let's go get the shiny one. Yeah. <laughs> and the third place got eliminated and I was like, oh man, I'm not, I am not listening to the Italian national anthem today. So there you <laughs> what go. do we have to do? Yeah. Yep. So how much of, um, is it a motivator for you to hear the anthem and to be able to stand on the podium representing the America. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's something that you dream of and you visualize yourself standing on top of a podium and until you're actually in the moment, it just feels so surreal, kind of yeah. like like you're dreaming. I I honestly, you know, when you think that you're going to do it, you, you feel like you'll be really emotional and screaming, yelling or like <laughs> crying. I was I genuinely felt like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Like I had <laughs> I could not believe that the competition was actually over. I just could not believe, you know, because it was delayed for a year and all the stuff that we had leading up to it. I'm like, no way is this match over. Yeah. So, so I just felt like a deer in the headlights. Well, it's amazing. So you, you win gold in women's skate and then you set the Olympic record. And I can imagine why it would be a little overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. You know, I missed my last target. I should hit one more. But, you know, I knew... On the last station, all I had to do was was break break one to win, and I broke that one, and then I was done. Like there you were done, so yeah. done with it. Yeah. Well, now you can you have something else to look forward to the next time, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes. So it's been a, a few months. You know, the time has passed a little bit. Um, have you gone from deer in the headlights to be able to put it into a different perspective? I mean, are you still smiling? Obviously. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's just crazy to to look back and really draw from those memories and realize that you really can do anything you want to do. And it, it's a matter of having a a right mindset. So I feel like, you know, those lessons I learned throughout that whole process, something I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Oh, definitely. And, you know, hopefully help other people when they're in that situation on how, what worked for me. 
Yeah. No, that's 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 amazing. Have you <laughs> have you been able to catch your breath? I mean, you're out working again. I mean, it's not yeah. like, hey, I've done this. See you later, people. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, you know, there's there's always work to be had and, and stuff to learn. And I, I constantly learn too. And everybody who shot this game for a long time, if they're any good, they'll tell you that there's, you know, they can learn something from every competition. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm still learning as well. So where does where does this competitive spirit come from? I mean, where is there no. is it just in you in your blood or I guess I have no idea. <laughs> I you know, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's funny because talking to you you're, you know, you're obviously happy and and kind and sweet and looking forward to, you know, helping other people, but like you're a beast on the range. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's just knowing that you've put the work into it and yeah. that you deserve to win or, or, you know, that was the thing I said, I would come out here in Fort Benning out here on these ranges and just work myself to death. And then I was able to go to a competition and say there was nothing else I could have done to prepare. No, so. that's, that's amazing. Speaking of Fort Benning, um, we have something in common. I was at the army <laughs> marksmanship unit as well. Oh, Home really? of champions. Okay. Yes. 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 Long time ago, wow, awesome. <laughs> in the nineties. <90s. laughs> okay, but um, so your journey is a little bit different than mine because I was recruited at, out of high school to be enlisted and shoot for the action shooting team. Um, but you went the world class athlete program mm-hmm. route. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that and your experience representing the army as an officer and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I, like you said, I went through the world-class athlete program. I decided to go the officer route. I already had a degree. I graduated in 2012 and was working as a a paramedic and had kind of a career going. And I just said, you know, I could could afford to take a little time off of shooting. I'm going to try to go in as high as I can, and then we'll see what happens. Um, So the world-class athlete program had officer slots in their unit. Um, and then I was attached to the army marksmanship unit. So it was kind of the best of both worlds, obviously to become an officer. It was a lot, a lot more army training and time off of the gun. So I wondered if that was the right decision at the time. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like, wow, I could be shooting right now, but here I am picking up rocks. (laughs) um, (laughs) Um, No, but I, yeah, I took a full year off in 2017 and then, and then finally made it to the Army Marksmanship Unit and then it was from there on out. I, I, was I, it was, I was very fortunate to have the support of both. So I was still technically in WCAP and uh, attached to the AMEO. So right. I was very fortunate. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's one of the things I think that's challenging specifically for going that route through the world class athlete program as an officer is you have to prove your worth um in a in a different way because you have to earn your spot right whereas in yep. enlisted you get assigned to the unit and you had to meet benchmarks and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more forgiving maybe a little bit more rock painting but <laughs> that's sort of no, stuff. I did a lot of that myself <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure yeah. but um do you think your officer training helped your your shooting game as well you know, it taught me a lot of patience mm. uh, and how to work with a team. And, yeah. you know, the the military in general is just a different environment for people. And coming from the civilian world, I didn't join until I was 27. Yeah. So I already had, you know, a lot of other experiences before I joined. Um, but, yeah, I would say it all, it all just 
it's like like I said earlier, adding tools to your toolbox, and you have good things and and bad things, and you just <laughs> reflect on all of those to better. So definitely. So how was the the homecoming back to the AMU with a gold medal? Where I I can't oh. imagine. <laughs> I feel like I didn't sleep for like a month after the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was very special for me. I, um, they, they said, hey, if you win a gold medal, we'll let you stay in Tokyo to watch all the other events. But everybody else had to go home within 48 hours. I'm oh, like, wow. Nah, I'm, le- I'm leaving. I'm going to go see my friends and family. Um, and so they met me at the airport, and we actually ended up taking a party bus. <laughs> <laughs> from the Atlanta airport down to Fort Benning. That well, was... not Fort Benning, but Phoenix City, Alabama, in my house. Gotcha. And I didn't land in Atlanta until midnight. So I was just shocked to see everybody there. And yeah. um, they got the next day off of work. So that was <laughs> they loved you even more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too bad there's uh, such a break in between the Olympics there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, for those who don't compete in shotgun sports, um, it might be a little confusing between all of the different options, trap, skeet, sporting clays, American versus international Olympic stuff. Can you give our listeners a quick breakdown of what happens in your sport? Yeah. So like you said, the American sports, that's what you'll see here at your average gun club. Things are a little slower. Everybody is Everybody's shooting it. Skeet specifically, people will, you know, they're shooting American skeet when the gun is already in their shoulder and they call pull. International skeet, um, we have a yellow line. I don't know where the camera is, but I don't know if you can see the yellow line right here. Okay. So we have to, uh, we have to start our gun on that line. And then when we call pull, there's a zero to three second delay. So we don't, it's totally random. You have no idea when it's going to come out. Um, and when For the target every does, yep. Okay. And when the target comes out, then you can move your gun off that yellow line and mount it and, and hit the target. So things are a little faster and we start from the hip is what they call it. And how many different positions do you shoot? From. Yeah, so there there are eight stations. So se- seven on the outside and then one in the very middle. Okay. And you have a high house and a low house. So we just shoot a, a sequence of targets uh, between either a high single or a low single and then doubles. We shoot doubles on, on every station except for the one in the middle. And and how fast are those little clays launching in the air? <laughs> Some days they're faster than others. <laughs> like roughly close to 70 miles an hour. So how do you even say that fast? It's tricks. There's tricks to it. Tricks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's just, I don't play golf. Uh, I, I feel like shooting is frustrating enough. I don't need to add <laughs> golf to that. It would not yeah. be therapeutic for me. But, uh, you know, it's it's a lot like studying golf and a pre-shot routine, how to set up for the shot. And, you know, they deal with weather variables and stuff like that. So I always tell shooters, if they want to learn something new and they'll, you know, everybody will pay to study Tiger Woods, but they probably won't pay as much to study a, a good shotgun shooter. But you can learn a lot from just reading about golf. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> um, so when you're competing at your eight different stations, generally how many people are on the line competing with you? Yep. So we have a, what's called a squad, and you have six people. 
And then you'll have one ref behind you who's, who's calling hit or a loss. Okay. Um, and then you'll have two side refs, one by each house, and they're also helping to, to judge. And so all you have to do, you have to completely bust the clay, just chip it or? Well, hopefully you bust it. And then, the, <laughs> and then you're also looking for chips to make sure that, you know, if gotcha. it was a dead, considered a dead target that they call it appropriately. And every mm-hmm. once in a while, you'll see um, people protest targets where they think that they saw a chip or, uh, and then they can go back and, and discuss it. So but hopefully you just break it and there's no, no discussion about it. <laughs> Yeah. So in the when you're in the Olympics um, and you, you're in your squad, um, or are, do you rotate around? So sometimes you're first or is it always the same? Yeah. So they've kind of played around with how they they would call it inverting the squad. Um, okay. It's different overseas because once you make the top six, then they'll see you uh, where you are. So you okay. can be number one in qualification or you could be number six or three when I went into the in the final in the Olympics I was number three okay um but in the states you know everything just piggybacks off of each other so say you'd have your squad of six then the next day they would flip it um and then so say you shot first the other day you would shoot fourth the next day so they're they're kind of playing around you you never really know at this point what uh what position you're going to be in, but you should practice it all. <laughs> Definitely. Does it, do you have a favorite position? I mean, do you like to, to not see what other people are doing and get it done first or, um, or, or does it really not matter? Cause you train so hard for all of it. You know, I wasn't upset with being number three in the final. Um, I was actually very comfortable with that because I felt like the first person could deal with the changes of the referee and the ref, randomly says to stop or whatever that first person's going to deal with it the most right um so i was i was happy to go in at number three because once the first person shoots then we all just follow right, right. um so that, i was happy about that all right one more technical question here because i'm learning so much so <laughs> you mentioned the randomness from zero to three seconds does that change with every shooter or is it stick the same between each position it is completely random so and that's so I'll say I go on station two and you shoot a high single. So you just load one shell and you shoot a high target single. I could have a one second delay for that shot. And then the next shot you shoot a double, I could have a three second delay. So it varies between every single target of every person, every station. So you have to pay attention. You definitely have to pay attention. No zoning out. Yeah, you definitely have to pay attention. No, that's great. So do you have a, a favorite memory from the Olympics other than, of course, winning? I know that might be hard because everything was focusing on the gold. But do you have a single yeah. favorite memory? Um, we went when we walked in opening ceremonies, it wasn't like any other opening ceremonies that we had heard about. But just I feel like getting the entire Team USA together and everybody else was sharing the same experiences and frustrations to even just get to that point so people were pretty rowdy and very happy and then (laughs) um there's a girl austin smith she was the other skeet girl that made it it ended up being her birthday oh wow and so (laughs) i 
surprised her with some other people and we got the whole tunnel to sing happy birthday to her. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> what a memory. <laughs> yeah, she was very embarrassed, but it was uh, it was fun. That's that's you know, just to have, you know, some of the best athletes ever, you yeah. know, sing you happy birthday. No big deal. Just, you know, yeah. it's like Applebee's. <laughs> exactly. It was fun. So where are you in your season now? What is next for you and your goals? So they have already kicked off um, the international tour, as you call it. Uh, we're getting ready to go to Lenato, Italy next week to shoot. Some of the trap shooters leave this weekend. I will be in a non-metal position, so I'll be over there uh, just shooting for kind of points. They're trying some new stuff out. Um, but I will definitely be over there, and we're going to go visit the Perazzi factory and hang out and, and see everybody again. So it should be really fun. That's great. And uh, so you're obviously working for another one, right? Another another gold, right? Yeah, we're. I'm just trying to wait and kind of see what the ISSF comes out with and see what what the process is going to be. And then USA Shooting will figure out how they want to have their Olympic trials. And so once we get all the information, we'll figure out what the game plan is. That's fantastic. Well, we have to take a quick break here, but when the next episode, the episode continues on. We'll be talking more with you and specifically about your thoughts of the rise in shooting sports and your tips on how to get started. It's a legacy 100 years in the making where American ingenuity met a trailblazing spirit. Hard work united with patriotism. Technology blended with new ideas. Right here in Anoka, Minnesota. Born in 1922, made in America, proud to be the best. A century of innovation, and we're just getting warmed up. Welcome back to It's Federal Season, and our technology segment, Tech Talk. Welcome back. I'm joined again by Olympic gold medalist Amber English. Amber, the growth of youth shooting sports is phenomenal. The USA Clay Target League recently reported a record number of high school and college trap teams participating in competitive shooting everywhere. In all of the shooting sports, we're seeing such great growth and participation. And this is a pretty good indicator of the next and future generation of Olympians, the people that are going to be, you're going to be looking over your shoulder at them, I'm, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, you, you know, throughout this whole interview, you've talked about how you're sharing your sport and how you're hoping to, to get and inspire youngsters. Um, what are your specific tips for getting started in shotgun or skeet? You know, I would just say to find somebody that you think that you idolize or want to learn more information from and just try to reach out to them or, you know, look on the USA shooting site and just try to find people and learn as much as you can. And then you'll be surprised, you know, how for the most part, people are very willing to share information and their experiences and how to do different things. Yeah, it's a, a great point. And you see it everywhere from pistol to rifle. I mean, your parents yeah. obviously have known that throughout the, the years. Um, getting more into specifically the gear and demands of skeet, can you tell us about the importance of shotgun selection and gun fit um, for new shooters? Or, I mean, can you be competitive with any old gun that you grab off the rack at your local sporting goods store? Um, 
I would not do that because, you know, especially being, you know, I was a smaller girl starting out. And so what you see at your local gun club and what the guys are shooting with is probably not going to fit you. So um, it doesn't mean you have to know how to fit your shotgun. I would take it to somebody that knows what they're doing and is a professional and they can professionally get you set up. And that, that is one of the most important things of our game is knowing that when we have a gun and when we, you know, mount our gun, that it's going to fit every time. So that'll by far kick you off in the right direction, just getting a proper gun fit. So you don't have any. Are you, like, is it, if it's almost probably like having a too big of a grip on a pistol. If it doesn't fit you well, you've got to overcome some bad habits that may, yeah. when you do get something that's perfect, you'll be like, no. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's definitely one of the initial things that people should do is just make sure they have a gun that fits properly and works. And that'll save you a ton of frustration down the road. Yeah, definitely. How important are fundamentals in shotgun shooting? I mean, that is, I would say that is the most important. Um, I still, when I get nervous, I draw upon just the very basics. I would say since I've done it for a long time, it's more of like the mental, mental side of things um, that I need to have reminders on, but. Yeah, you should always go back to the basics and the, the core fundamentals to get it done. Yeah, and uh, and obviously ammo. <laughs> Being a yep. federal ambassador, fellow ambassador, and uh, that what kind of ammo do you recommend that you get started with? Um, well, number one, obviously safety. So shooting the right gauge ammo with yeah. the right gauge of gun, that's the Good most point. important. <laughs> and double checking it and, and making sure you double check that, especially when you're at a gun club and people are pulling ammo and guns off the racks. Just make sure you have the right thing. And and if you're going to hunt as well, it's always very important. Um, we shoot 24 grams, 7 eighths of an ounce. So it's a lot of lighter load. Um, that is what we're required to do. And when we go to competitions, they'll they'll cut them open and test them and weigh them just to make sure everybody's super fair. Oh, that's great. So how often are you tested at competitions? Is it just initially or will they pull, pull you off one and like say, no, I want that one? <laughs> yeah, they just randomly come up to you with an envelope and then you pick your hands up and they reach in and grab, you know, six or eight shells. And uh, they'll they'll test them out, and then in the final they'll do the same thing. Everybody walks out with zero ammo, um, and you have your ammo already staged up there, and they'll have a chance to go through it and test. And you know it, it is really important for us. This is it's a way to keep everybody fair and yep. and honest. So I think it's a good thing. Definitely. So um, when you're not practicing or competing. Um, which is probably a huge chunk of your time. <laughs> what keeps you busy? What what is what are your other passions? You know, I actually I uh, just started a job as well in medical oh. device sales. So that is I am burning the candle on both ends right wow. now. <laughs> it's good. You know, I've I've always been interested in the medical field, and like I said, I was a paramedic for a long time before I joined the army, and I'm just trying to dabble in the uh, rest of the medical world and see what's out there and what uh, makes me happy and interested. Wow. Well, this is a, a huge thing <laughs> for our listeners who think that you can't do both, like work oh, and, yeah. and be great at something. Uh, uh, any advice there? <laughs> Just be as organized as possible <laughs> and priority, you know, prioritize everything you can and just 
you know, tell, tell your, your bosses and workers and, and peers, like what, what this involves and entails yeah. when you shoot and compete. So definitely I've had some practice with juggling a lot of things. <laughs> it's definitely all just about finding balance. So no, that's, that's a great point. Um, you come from a family of hunters and, uh, obviously living in Colorado for much of your life. Do you hunt as well? I do. Yeah. I've been trying to make up for some lost time. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I definitely want to get out there and hopefully shoot an elk this year. That would be fun. Is that I'm your favorite? You know, I actually grew up shooting a lot of mule deer. My dad was very big into mule deer hunting. So that that still is fun and enjoyable to me. I haven't been able to do that a lot down here in yeah. uh, Georgia. But yeah, I'm going to try to make up for some lost time and get out there and do it again. Definitely. Is that, uh, <laughs> do you find that time in the field like that is a good good thing for resting the mind a little bit? Or are you competitive about hunting too? <laughs> No, no, it's definitely anytime you can be out in the woods, it's just, it's quiet. I mean, it's hard to have a bad day out there, so I enjoy it. It is. Well, it's exciting to see uh, everything that you've accomplished and all of the the things that you're juggling to do it. Um, (laughs) It's very, very inspiring. It's no surprise that you've been brought on board as a federal investor and, and just wanted to say so great to have you a part of the family. Yeah, thank you so much. And I look forward to working with everybody and and uh, keeping this, this Olympic dream going. Yeah, well, I'll be rooting for you for sure. Thank you. Fellow <laughs> Army and girl power. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thanks awesome. so much for joining us again and, and uh, have fun training today. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, thanks. Good boy. It's a season with no beginning. Forehand. With bonds so strong, not weather or age. Or thousands of miles keep us from it. Our love for it is as varied as those who are addicted to its pursuit. A connection with the outdoors. With family and your best friend. We plan with anticipation. We prepare and wait in silence. With tired legs and cold hands, we push on. All in hopes of hearing a call that shatters the calm. To see the approach of thundering skies and experience the instantaneous rush. For whatever your reason, this is our season. Welcome back to It's Federal Season and the News and Notes segment. Welcome back to the It's Federal Season podcast. I am your guest host, Julie Golub. If you're a federal fan, which I'm sure you are, make sure you check out the latest branded apparel at federalpremium.com slash merchandise slash apparel. There are new t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts celebrating Federal's 100th anniversary. Yes. So you'll want to keep checking back frequently throughout the year because we do keep adding more awesome stuff. Hopefully, you're going to make it to Houston, Texas in May 
to meet Team Federal for the NRA annual meetings there. You can talk with experts in centerfire rifle, pistol, and shotgun ammunition. Meet the team as well. And in the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit me at juliegollub.com or follow me on social at juliegollub. And finally, if you enjoyed this one, check out our other episodes, go to our ratings, and we'd love your honest feedback.